the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome into another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. Your host, Brandon Kravitz, here, jo- joined by the Turkey of Transactions. Uh, maybe not my best intro. You're getting worse, Brandon. It's, <laughs> it's the uh, it's the pre Thanksgiving vibe here on uh, the Spot Track Podcast. Gobble gobble, all that good stuff. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, are you ready for the holiday season, my friend? I am. And listen, I uh, I actually did the work last night for you specifically. My Thanksgiving treat to you because you, I think you're the only radio host out there that I get to deal with on a, on a regular basis that loves talking running backs as much as I do. Uh, you know, feast or famine, and that's what this is, right? This running back conversation is quickly becoming famine. Uh, so for this Thanksgiving week, I have given you the 2024 running back breakdown. It's a good list. It's a great list, but it is not going to be a well-paid list. So we can uh, yeah. we can do what we want with that. I took a sneak peek at that. I am grateful that you would throw that my <laughs> way. I do love talking running backs. It's probably my favorite contractual conversation that's out there. Um, and uh, some heavy hitters in terms of the fantasy world. But yeah, yeah I'm curious to see what you end up saying about uh, the outlook of them getting the bag. We've got some hot stoves updates to get to really interesting stuff in the baseball world and quarterback injuries. I wanted to start there uh, with the quarterback position. We've got two big ones. Joe Burrow, the latest injury victim in the NFL. This coming from Thursday night football Um, Burrow on the shelf now for the season. Deshaun Watson on the shelf for the season. The two quarterbacks with the most guaranteed money coming their way in the NFL done for the year. Is there anything to be taken from that? The fact that you've got the two guys that are at the top of that list that won't be able mm. to play quarterback for their their respective teams. No, it's just a bummer. You know, I mean, football does this to us every year. There's going to be a, I don't know, a half a dozen really important players, reality and fantasy wise, that are going to have to burn out and, and miss a bunch of time. And you just hope that, you know, in both cases, they can get that, get back to where they've been because they were both turning a corner with their respective teams. Ironically, both in the same division, it was going to be an absolute dogfight in that AFC North, right? With Cleveland and their defense, Pittsburgh and their defense, and Baltimore, maybe, maybe the best team in the AFC. So, uh, I'm just bummed that we don't get the next seven weeks of that that rivalry coming at us because I don't think Jake Browning and Dorian Thompson Robinson are going to be, are going to be, you know, able to hold this fort up for too long. Let's just be honest. Well, and if I give anybody a shot to do it, I I guess it would be the rookie Dorian Thompson Robinson. He didn't look all that good, but at least the Browns, the Browns weren't Deshaun Watson dependent for them to hit their upside. He probably needs to be healthy, but it's their defense. That's going to get them through. And we see when it gets bitter cold, uh, around a lot of these cities in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's the defense that can make it, um, that they can take you all the way. We saw, I mean, I, I know from being here in Florida and remembering those Saxonville years with the Jacksonville Jaguars, they made it to the AFC title game with Blake Bortles as their quarterback. So you can That's get right. by. The real bummer for the Browns, you go back to that Nick Chubb injury, man, do they yeah. need that guy more than ever? And, you know, we'll talk running backs in a minute, but it, it does, it, I think that does shine a light on some of the value at that position, especially for teams like that. Well, this division, you know, I mentioned it there, but midseason, right? We, we, right. We lost Chubb week one. Now these two quarterbacks, Baltimore lost Dobbins. I think Mark Andrews is going to miss the rest of the season. And now Matt Canada has been fired this morning, right? Yep. So what, what are every team's in 
And every team has some sort of discontent that they're dealing with, whether it's coaching staff, whether it's offense, whether it's defense. So I, I guess it's just the nature of the game and uh, every team has to deal with some of it. We're certainly dealing with a ton of that here in Buffalo, both from a coaching and from an injury standpoint. So it's uh, it's just how the cookie crumbles and uh, we'll see what happens here. But boy, I, if you had money on Baltimore early, you have to be feeling pretty darn good about yourself with uh, with Lamar standing tall right now. Yeah, and we see the the Chiefs now lead the league in dropped passes. Uh, that was another bugaboo last night for them on Monday Night Football. I always kind of figured this would be the case with how loaded the AFC is. There's so many great teams that are loaded top to bottom. You figured the law of attrition was eventually going to catch yeah. up with that. That was going to be what separated. And it's not the it's not the the sexiest take out there. But at the start of the year, you're looking at all of these teams and you go, whoever's the healthiest will be standing at the top of the mountain. It's just weird. I mean, look at these quarterbacks we have to deal with in the AFC now. Right? Yeah. Brownie. What we started DTR, with, what we have now. Zach Wilson. Well, no. Tim Boyle, Boyle, right? Tim Boyle. Aiden yeah. O'Connell. The AFC is so weird. Uh, man, at the end of the day, I, is it going to be Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson? Is that where we're going to be hanging our hat on here? Because I know you want to talk Herbert. He's not going to make this thing. He's not going to get to the finish line with the playoffs. So... Uh, all these high price, super high profile quarterbacks in the AFC, you know, Josh Allen's on the fringe, of course, I, they might get pushed aside here in, in just a matter of a couple of weeks. Yeah. So the two, um, the two biggest numbers in terms of guaranteed dollars to the quarterback position, Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson, both out for the rest of the season. So their teams, maybe they make it to the playoffs. Maybe they don't. It won't be yeah. because those guys are on the field. The third most guarantees in the NFL go the way of Justin Herbert, who looks like he's going to miss the postseason again. And they made it last year, but that epic comeback from the Jags knocked them out of it. I imagine that Brandon Staley isn't too long for the NFL. No. And this is also, let's not let Justin Herbert off the hook completely. This is a really bad look for him. All of the quarterback carnage that you talk about, and he can't stand out among the heap. Um, they're just mm -hmm. there's a lot of problems there in LA. Where do you start when you look at their issues? Yeah, the Chargers have always been so frustrating because this team on paper looks outstanding. It looks like a fantasy gold mine, right? The defense is built with everybody else's former superstars and then a couple of kids that they drafted that really look like players. And for some reason, whether it's coaching, whether it's just the injury bugaboo that they get every year, this team can't stand up come week 12 and on. So here we are again. I, th I think what has to be talked about because Herbert's been given a lot of slack. And by the way, he didn't coming into the league. He was one of those players that was really heavily, I don't know, crucified or, or downgraded because of some stuff in college that some scouts were noticing that said, Hey, he may be here, but he may not be above where we think he, this line is, is getting drawn right now. I think that's kind of what we're seeing. And maybe what it comes down to is I don't know if he has the ability to elevate players. You know, he doesn't have the ability to take, even really good players, right? I, the Keenan Allens of the world, the Austin Ecklers of the world, uh, there are a lot of quarterbacks that would dream for those kind of weapons right now. And he's got them, and he's not making the most of this offense. So uh, it's probably time to start having conversations about Herbert. But I think before we have to do that, this coaching staff has to get flipped over, and we'll see what comes next. But uh, for sure, Brandon Staley sounded like a a guilty defensive coach standing in front of a microphone knowing what's about to come like if they're gonna fire me i might as well stand up here <laughs> yeah. and get aggressive with all of you yeah. i'm gonna go down swinging that sort of mentality it yeah. definitely sounded like the kind of guy that knows what the future holds do you imagine that 
projecting forward and we'll have plenty of time to discuss this deeper in the, in the future uh, after the season. And after they eventually fire Brandon Staley offer uh, uh, hire an offensive coach and then spend a lot of money on the offensive side of the ball and just make sure that Justin Herbert's well-stocked is that they kind of handle this. Do you think moving forward in the way that Miami handled Tua? let's just make sure that he's good on that side. We'll deal with the rest. Yeah. Cause if you think about what they've done, and I've spent a lot of time on them over the past couple of seasons, they did buy an offensive line, right? They did keep the weapons. They, they restructured Eckler a little bit this year, but they brought back Williams. They paid Allen. They extended him a couple of times. First round pick on a wide receiver. Quentin yeah, Johnson. Maybe they already did that and they did They're, it poorly. Right. They signed Derwin James. They, they kept the secretary. They signed JC Jackson to what should have been an, a successful free agent contract. It was a bust. They brought in Mac to compliment Bosa. They've signed Bosa. I, I can't find a spot where they kind of screwed this thing up from a roster construction standpoint. It just didn't work. So to answer your question, I, I think there might be a hell of a lot of chains and, it, and it's going to start the coaching staff. It might, it might be GM, even though I probably shouldn't, I, based on what I just told you. I, th- I think the process was right, and maybe it was just the wrong bodies in the, in the right holes. But I, I think this could be a team that really, really rips some things down. And that's tough to do with the Bosa contract, the Derwin James contract, and especially that Herbert contract sitting on the books, potentially with the value window here still, right? When we get to two or three years down the line with the Chargers, everything's going to be a crazy expensive on these contracts. So... They're going to have to move fast if they're going to change a lot of things up. But I do see bodies moving via cap casualty, via release, and probably via trade this March. So this is a team to watch for sure. Yeah, that seems like a grenade situation. Zach Wilson finally benched for the New York Jets, putting him out for um, probably the rest of the year. I can't imagine we see him suit up again because not only was he downgraded to a backup, he's now the third string for the New York Jets. And I think this puts all of us out of our collective misery, including Zach Wilson. I felt bad for the guy. I was at the point where not only did I not like watching him, and I know other football fans around the country felt that way, but like, stop putting this guy through this. This is awful. So we're done with that experiment. What does that mean in terms of the Jets are going to want to move off of him as soon as possible? When can they do that? And what kind of cap casualty do they have in store? Because he was only drafted two years ago. That's right. Fully guaranteed contract. They're going to have to decide on his fifth year option in May. I don't even think we get to that point. Um, if I'm being frank here, I, I would release him right now. I would I would move on from him. There's a $5.4 million cash payment to be made next year. It's fully guaranteed. I, I guess there's some hope that you could pay that down and send a fifth round pick and get him out the door. Why would you even bother? You know what I mean? Like Why, why would you even try to go through that minutia when you know what's happening, right? You have so much work to do. And Aaron Rodgers is knocking down that door. And my God, Schefter's already talking about Devontae Adams, right? Like, like we're already fast forwarded to like March 15th on this roster right now. But here's the thing. The reason you're feeling bad for Zach Wilson is because he didn't have confidence. And the reason he didn't have confidence is that offensive line is still an absolute dumpster fire. And any, any talk of Aaron Rodgers coming back in week 13, 15, whatever it's going to be, should be put in a room and locked away forever because this offensive line is not prepared for a rookie quarterback and certainly not prepared for a 40 year old quarterback trying to rush back from an Achilles injury. So they have work to do. They have money to spend. It is not on wide receivers. It is not on weapons, right? Let's not even talk about getting Devonta Adams here yet. They've got three offensive line spots to fill and no quarterback, let alone a 41 year old Aaron Rodgers, 
should be wanting to play for this organization right now. I was surprised to hear Robert Sala come out and say the decision will be made by the quarterback. If Aaron Rodgers wants to play, then he'll play. What happened to looking out for the player? Aaron Rodgers is we know that he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And this is this is not a situation that's going to end well. Even if they had a good offensive line, it still sounds like a really bad idea. Are you surprised that he went that route? Yeah, I I don't want to piss off Robert Sala because he looks like somebody that could murder me in about a minute and a half. Um, Yeah. You and me, but, but when I heard that, it sounds like the inmates are running the asylum in that, on that team. And that is a terrible look for everybody. I understand the games there and Rogers loves to play. I kind of applaud him for it. It's fun. I like this stuff, the passive aggressive stuff. He, he, even at this stage of his career, he should not be coming into this team and making the decisions. And clearly he was because look at the, look at the Tim Boyle is the quarterback right now. That's how many decisions Aaron Rodgers got to make this off season. Right? Yeah. So, um, I just think everybody needs or look, I'm not going to say Robert Sala needs to be fired. Somebody needs to step up in that organization and say, we have a lot of work to do and we are not ready for Aaron Rodgers. Even if Aaron Rodgers is in our office saying, I'm ready to go back out there. Let me do my thing. So I, I thought it was a bad look from the Jets perspective. But when when is it not a bad look in the Jets organization? It's been a rough couple of decades here. I mean, he's they're going to be eliminated from playoff contention yeah. by the time he would even be available to come back. So, I mean, it's probably all a moot point, but it's crazy that they even uh, that he even said that. Okay, you are indulging me. I am certainly yeah. grateful for you teeing this up at SpotTrack.com. I highly suggest that you all out there go and check this out. The article is titled evaluating the 2024 running back market. I mean, if there's that's like the, my headline du jour. So let's go name by name here. And you tell me why they might get paid, why they might not. And, uh, and really the most likely outcomes that you have here on the website, of course, all of this subject to change depending on uh, yeah. injuries, pro product uh, production and, and the market itself. We'll start with Josh Jacobs coming off of that monster year last year. You led the NFL in rushing yards and this year, you know, starting to get back on track a little bit with the new coach, but how do you see his future outlook? I have no idea. <laughs> First of all, this is way too early and I have made predictions. So, um, you, you know, I, I've put my neck out there. Another, another Thanksgiving term for you right there. By the way, I almost named this article continued running back carnage instead of evaluating the 2024 running back market because I, I hate doing this. I hate saying that Josh Jacobs, you know, even though he's an $11 million player in our system because the last 18 months have been good. I don't, there's no, there's no team that's going to pay 26 year old Josh Jacobs, $11 million. This is not right now. So the Raiders could make a run here. They could make a four to five week run that really kind of saves their season. And if they want to give Aiden O'Connell all of next year, you got to keep Josh Jacobs. So something's going to happen, whether they, they slap another tag, which would be almost 14 and a half million dollars because of the restructure this year, something's going to happen. Uh, but this guy could walk. And if this guy walks, look out, look out Cincinnati, Kansas city, all the big boys want this player because he's a year younger than every other name we're going to talk about here. And he's got, he's got the kind of impact that can be used for three downs. So I don't know how the Raiders are going to shake out. I don't know where Josh Jacobs fits right now, but you know, if this is a $8 million player, you got to take this player because he's probably still the, one of the most prolific running backs in the league. Yeah, you, I see your your 2024 valuation set at uh, 10.75 million. That seems almost um, optimistic. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, all of them are. Right? Okay, because they're all using the old the old math, which by the way is only two years old. I'm using a two year plan here to calculate mathematically. So a lot of these guys, I, I give you a number, and then in the in the paragraphs preceding, I tell you that number's never going to happen because you know <laughs> Tony Pollard is a great blocker, but he's not yeah. producing anywhere else, right? So we talk about him next, Brandon. I, I don't know what to think, right? They don't have another RB one in Dallas right now, but. They're not going to slap a second franchise tag on Tony Pollard. They got to pay no Dak. Way. They got to pay Ceedee Lamb. They got to pay an, a defensive tackle. They got two offensive line spots to fill. You know, Trevon Diggs just got paid and he's rehabbing. So there's just all sorts of money getting tossed around. There's no way they're going 13 million for Tony Pollard. I've got him at almost six and a half million. Do they keep him at that? Even that seems high for Dallas in their current situation. So I, I think Tony Pollard walks into free agency. And again, the Green Bays, the Chicago's of the world probably love him at that price, but uh, I don't know that he's willing to take something like that. We're seeing just a lot of weird, weird, great players getting brought down to near minimum contracts. I didn't do that in this article. Let me put it that way. I, I didn't I didn't make Saquon Barkley a $1 million player, even though there's some language in the paragraphs that tell you he may be playing at that level right now. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I, I don't know how much he has uh, around him to sort of help buoy any right. sort of value. Tommy DeVito did play well this past weekend. Um, but with Tony Pollard, let's also keep in mind, and this is this is an early article. We haven't even gotten to the playoffs yet. Jerry Jones only needs to see a smidge of playoff success before he is going to be willing to overpay this guy. So it, what, what Tony Pollard is doing right now is disappointing. I've got him in fantasy. I I live it every week. Did get into the end zone on Sunday, but if he has playoff success and he is, you know, think of a different sort of player, but James white with the new England Patriots, where he was just a different guy in the postseason. I think Tony Pollard could get a big-time payday if that's the case. So you always have to keep in mind the Jerry Jones impact of things, and it's not about how you succeed. It's about when you succeed. So let's turn to Saquon Barkley because I just can't figure this guy out. He's got all the talent in the world, has a really hard time staying on the field, and really he's been buried in a situation that's just not advantageous for him. So he's withered away. Oh, what do you see as far as what this means for his future or his best paid days behind him? Yeah, if he's a $13 million player last year, and he was, right? The Giants made that offer, actually, from all we know from Schefter and those kind of, those kind of names. Um, I've got him basically cut in half right now. And some of that's his fault, and a lot of that's the Giants' fault, and a lot of that's injuries to Andrew Thomas and players like that who matter. But the reality is... I don't think they're going to fire this coaching staff. Uh, I don't. We know Daniel Jones has one more fully guaranteed year. This is this feels like a Jonathan Taylor type situation where Barkley's best chance to a prosper and get paid might be right there with the Giants, which is weird because he's not doing so right now with the Giants. But I, th- this might just have to be a team that has to run a lot of this stuff back next year, and maybe that just means a second franchise tag for Barkley. They can afford it, you know. They've they've got some miles to feed defensively, and there is a good defense on that side of the ball in that team. I I think keeping this player in New York is probably their best bet, especially if Daniel Jones isn't going to be a great quarterback. And I think that's what we can say right now. Yeah, maybe the best path for Saquon Barkley's career is uh, even if it's been disappointing, just be the guy that 
mm-hmm. was always a giant. And then, the, you know, at least that fan base will appreciate you. Maybe you get a statue one day, something like that. Ring of Honor. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't if think you so. rack up enough. Well, not a statue. Well, no statue. Okay. Statue's <laughs> going too far. But <laughs> he can end up in the Ring of Honor. He racks up enough yards. They can throw him in there. Right? <laughs> um, it, they've been around a while. They probably have a pretty thick Ring of Honor. Well, what about Derrick Henry? Uh, we, uh, we just, you know, after a while, we're like, I ah, forget age. This guy just yes. is, is a machine. He might not even be human. I think we're now starting to see the deterioration of Derrick Henry partially to blame as the offense. The, the line isn't as good as it used to be. The quarterback play certainly is a work in progress, but 38 and 24 yards over the last two weeks yeah. um, individually. Well, what do you see as far as his future? Is he somebody that you think could still earn a big payday and help a team that is contending? I do, um, but I don't think that's the route this is going. Uh, so, you know, I, give you a lot of stats and a lot of reasons why this guy's still great. And I, look, I know that they've, you know, they've drafted his replacement in Tennessee, right? The Spears kid looks like he's going to be something. I don't know if he's a true RB one yet. And I think that's my point here, right? So my early bold prediction is really not that bold at all. They just keep this guy, right? If it was, if it was a $12 million extension last time around, and I think it was, let's just make it two for 12, cut the thing in half and make him essentially an RB two, but really not really right. This is, just everything's a split carry situation now on most of these teams. Again, I don't think Derrick Henry is long for any other franchise. If that were the case, they would have traded him on Halloween. It was the right thing to do for their draft asset, you know, capital. And for him as a player, something came to a head where that didn't happen. And I believe it's that Derrick Henry wants to finish his career here. So let's just assume that's going to happen on about half the price tag, which is probably going to lead to about half the production. And that's about right when you're almost 30 years old. I kind of assumed he would end up going the Adrian Peterson route where he spent most of his career really productive with one team and then just sort of bounced around like a mercenary. But he does feel like a Titan for life. And he is a guy guaranteed ring of honor for, uh, yes. for Derek Henry. Uh, what about Austin Eckler? Uh, there, there was that highlight this weekend of him running down the sideline. And I had to, I, I had to smack my remote to make sure I didn't put YouTube TV in <laughs> slow-mo. This guy is just is not quick, but that's never really been his game. <laughs> what, uh, what do you speak? Are you trying to devalue these players even more, Brandon? My goodness. Well, this um, is, I mean, you know, I am, I am pro running back, but I'm not going to give you love just because you play the position. You got to come through. And some of these guys that you've seen, Tony Pollard hasn't lived up to, um, yeah being the number one guy for the Dallas Cowboys. Saquon Barkley's been rough around the edges. Austin Eckler's lost speed and he already wasn't fast. And their Derrick Henry yeah. is aging. So this is for somebody who has definitely campaigned for the running back position. This is not a year that's going to help the, the trajectory of pay in terms of this position. No, it's not. And you know, he's going to be 28 going on 29 at some point in time next season. There's definitely a step lost. The good thing is that that this guy can catch the ball. He's still a 50% you know, reception running back, or if you want to call him a running back at that point in time. <clears throat> you know, we saw Kareem Hunt kind of get messed around with this offseason and Cleveland when they needed him brought him back and he all he does is catch balls and score touchdowns. So I, I think, you know, the writing is on the wall that the big money's gone for this player. That if he, if it was going to be there, he would have got it before this season. And all they did is hand him basically a $2 million incentive package. And he's going to make $0 of that because of that early ankle injury. So everything's against him, you know, age, decline, everything. We also talked about the Chargers in the open here. 
I don't think this this is a player that sticks on this roster. If f- three or four players are falling off this offense, he's going to be one of them. Here's my bold prediction. He becomes the complementary piece to Isaiah Pacheco for Patrick Mahomes for the next two seasons on, uh, on like about that. a year and a half fully guaranteed. He becomes the, uh, the bounce out screen pass that Patrick Mahomes has been looking for, especially if Travis Kelsey is a starting to decline or actually considering retirement in the next couple of seasons because that body's starting to break down. This guy's going to catch 40, 50 balls in that offense. So I think that's a natural move. Yeah, they should have already invested in somebody that could do that in that offense, but he would definitely be the perfect uh, fit. Let's get to a couple more real quick. DeAndre Swift uh, came in on the cheap for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's really amazing how much they stole him from the the, the Lions. I mean, they drafted a running back, so they didn't need him. But um, DeAndre Swift, is he going to be long for the Eagles, or are they going to continue the revolving door? as you wrote in the article, uh, when it comes to the running back position. You know, it's funny. I wrote this piece during the Monday Night Football game. Um, so I'm watching DeAndre Swift. And I woke up the next morning to a bunch of Eagles reporters talking about DeAndre Swift's future and the fact that Philly doesn't pay these running backs, that they do exactly what they did, right? They go out and they they grab somebody off a roster who's either surplus or on an expiring contract. And they just get an, you know, a few months of value out of that player, which is just a really smart way to use this position, by the way. I, I just think this is kind of a match made in heaven. Swift's going to have to take less money to stay in Philly because, and I wrote in the piece, I'll say it out loud, this also feels like the perfect Kyle Shanahan player. DeAndre Swift's only 24. He's going to be 25, I think, in January. So he's got age on his side. He's a versatile player. He's catching balls out of the backfield, and he is lightning fast. He's no Aston Eckler, let's put it that way. He's lightning fast still. He's the perfect either complementary piece to McCaffrey, who is start going to start to decline or have injury issues even more, and could sneak into the next two, three seasons of Shanahan's San Francisco offense and be that player. So I, I think knowing that San Francisco is going to be out there to poach this player could push Philadelphia to go and actually extend DeAndre Swift, even though they have no cap space to do it and they've been paying everybody. I think this is one of those guys you just got to keep. The new, the new best rivalry in the NFC between those two right. teams who are probably on a collision course for the NFC championship game. Give me one more name. You've got a bunch here that yeah. the, the need to be mentioned categories. There's somebody that really piques your interest amongst this group. Yeah, I got the honorable mentions, right? The J.K. Dobbins, who just got, my God, the injury bug just never went away. The A.J. Dillons, who just never worked out. You know, maybe that's a player who signs a minimum contract in Houston or something like that and just flourishes. You know, you, you need a change of pace a lot of times. Uh, let's talk quickly, though, before we get out of here about two players who could add to this list. Alvin Kamara on that massive contract in New Orleans. It's weird because he's playing well, not, you know, not elite running back well, but well. Derek Carr is fully guaranteed next year, so I'm not sure they're going to rip too much of that Band-Aid off. They might win the division, by the way, and and you know be a formidable playoff option. So I'm not sure there's a ton of breakdown. However, it's New Orleans, so there's going to be a ton of cap issues. They're going to have to make casualties. I would imagine Kamara's name comes up in that. And Aaron Jones probably just played his last game in Green Bay uh, with that nasty injury that's that shelved him for the rest of the season. So he'll be looking for a kind of a prove-it rehab contract somewhere else in March as well. Yeah, the Packers going to end up retooling that running back room. Mm-hmm. Um, well, probably clean across the board. Uh, go to spottrack.com. Go ahead and ch- check that out. The uh, the re-evaluation of the running back position. Let's get to our quick hits. I'm going to fit in some of my MLB hot, hot stove topics within this right here. 
Uh, very interested to see what happens with this player. Today is the day that negotiations can begin with Japanese star pitcher Yamamoto. I'm not even going to give his first name a shot. <laughs> uh, from everything that I've read, he's expected to sign the richest contract in baseball for a starting pitcher. So what should we expect to see? And what's the timeline on this guy? Uh, yeah, he's going to do his due diligence. That's for darn sure. He's officially been posted. Um, all the big names are in. I know Boston's in. Both the New York teams are in. I would imagine the Dodgers and the Angels give this guy a look, the Giants as well. So uh, the sky's the limit. Uh, you know, it, it would be incorrect, and I've done this early on in the evaluation process. It would be incorrect to just look at other international contracts and say, all right, well, this guy's going to slot in with Kodai Senga's deal in, in New York or a, a few other that we've seen over the past couple of off seasons. Uh, this guy is basically a triple Cy Young winner coming coming to America. That If that's how the awards equate, that's what's happening. And this guy is not 30 years old, right? He is early 20s. He is coming early. There's going to be some process in terms of a posting fee that are going to cost some owner a lot of money. And then my my I would imagine that the starting price is $200 million. And if we get ourselves closer to 250, I would not be surprised. I don't think we're talking about a total value contract that gets up to Garrett Cole's 300 plus. Uh, but somewhere in the 200s is where this is going to land probably on seven to eight years, which in terms of an international signing is absolutely historic. So the teams that have the money and the aggressiveness in terms of their front office to do this are probably some of the same teams that are in the market for Shohei Otani. So do you have to choose which one you're going after? Can you do it simultaneously? How do you think these teams handle that? As I'm thinking we're talking about the same pool. We are and we aren't. Um, I would think that you'd have all of those teams, all the big hitters that I just mentioned, but also because this guy is essentially a can't-miss starting pitcher, we got to bring Baltimore and Arizona and Detroit and Pittsburgh into this conversation as what could be the new face of your rotation for the next eight years. That's not something those teams specifically can just, you know, make out of fairy dust, right? The small market teams either have to overpay in free agency or do something like this where everybody sort of has the same playing field and it's just about cash. So if, if a team like Baltimore who hasn't yet extended really any of their core and basically go to that core and say, look, we want, we know you need contracts, Adley Rushman and Gunnar Henderson and all those guys. And we may even move on from Anthony Santander to do something like this. We're going to do this this year, and then you're all going to get covered next year. I think that's the right move for those type of teams who are certainly knocking on the door right now. All right. Sign me all the way up for that. Uh, the Phillies re-signed Aaron Nola. Sources claiming that it'll be a seven-year, $172 million deal. Do you like this deal? And mm. even though it's a monster contract, is this somewhat team-friendly? It's it's fair market. Uh, I had his valuation at twenty four and a half million, which is exactly what this contract is. However, I had it at six years. He ended up getting that seventh year from Philly. This is not a deal Philly does normally. Um, they let these players walk. They do not extend thirty plus you know year old players at this stage of their their career. This is his third contract. He's already had a rookie extension. So this is very unlike the the current Philadelphia Phillies organization that we know. However. I think a lot of things have changed with Dave Dombrowski at the helm and they understand exactly what this window is. So if they even get three years of Aaron Nola type production on the mound with this batting lineup that we know is absolutely mammoth at times, 
I think it's going to be worth their price. So they, they know what they're doing. They overpaid. They probably went a year or two too long, but this is the window to do it and they are not going anywhere. Tyler Glass now is set to make $25 million in the upcoming season. Would he be a trade candidate for mm. a frugal raised team? He'd be a trade candidate at $12 million. <laughs> I mean, Tampa Bay doesn't even listen to 15 million, let alone 25 million. When they structured this contract, I literally got on the podcast and said, all right, here's all this. There's a very thick red line on Tyler Glasnow's contract where Tampa Bay basically says, you no longer live here anymore. Um, the problem is he's got injuries all over the place, right? So I'm not sure teams are going to be throwing any kind of prospects at the raise to bring in a $25 million salary. They're going to eventually get this done. However, it may not be this offseason. They may have to bring him into the season and make him like an early trade deadline kind of candidate, or they actually pay that salary and you know see if they can hold the fort down because so many of their starting pitchers are injured and rehabbing arm injuries right now. All right, a couple of uh, quick NFL nuggets as well before we wrap up today's podcast. Matt Canada, you mentioned this moments ago. He was fired as the offensive coordinator for the Steelers. Does that mean that a Kenny Pickett breakout is coming? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, they have not really established the new name yet, which means this was reactionary and probably something that they knew had to come and they were trying to wait to the end of the year. And then something happened and Mike Tomlin had to do this. So my guess is they're going to spin their wheels a little bit here and uh, try to figure this out. But I don't know. I don't know that much can change right now. To me, this is a bad draft pick in Najee Harris, a bad draft pick in Kenny Pickett. And, you know, there's a lot of offensive weapons that are being underutilized right now that I think need to be fixed in free agency and maybe the next couple of drafts. But this had to happen. It's very un-Pittsburgh like to do it midseason. So, you know, something was terribly wrong internally there. Yeah. Najee Harris was not happy in the postgame. I'm thinking there might have been a player (laughs) mutiny sort of situation. Kareem Jackson of the Broncos has been suspended for violating player safety rules. He's a multi-time offender now. What does this mean in terms of of his wallet? And if it were to happen again, I mean, this guy is a serial offender at this point. Yeah, he got four games in October and now he's getting four games in November and December. So, um, you know, obviously his name is on a sign somewhere inside the offices downtown in Manhattan, but I'm not sure, man. He he loses 558,000 again. So it's 1.1 million total this year lost. Did you see the hit? Yeah. I, 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 I thought it was dirty. It's dirty, but Josh Dobbs was a runner at the time, right? I mean... There's something to it. He, he's a named, right? He's got a Draymond Green stink to him now. I was just going to say, this is, this is Draymond Green. This is, <laughs> you it. don't get the benefit of the doubt in this situation because of who you are. This is just a very slippery slope. All right. These fines have always been so all over the place, so objective, right? People lose $10,000 more money for kicking the ball into the stands than you do for a, a, an impermissible use of the helmet violation. They're all over the place. So to start suspending players for hits, especially if it's you know guys that have a history. It's good because player safety should matter, but man, they really have to get this stuff tied down, right? They have to figure out a more formulaic process so that everybody understands that violation one is this and two is this and three is this. At least the NBA has that 
we all kind of know that after a certain number of technical fouls, you're going to have to be suspended. And I don't know. It just seems like the NFL is really letting this stuff get carried away. And we're trying to track it on Spotrick, by the way. We have all these fines and suspensions tracked, but it's an absolute rat's nest for you to figure out. Yeah, the the NFL um, levying random suspensions and fines. I've never heard of such a thing, Mike. Uh, let's hey, it's a good week for charity, man. It's a great week for charity. Yeah, you know what? Exactly. And it and well, it couldn't come at a better time. Um, Jerry Jones purchased the Dallas Cowboys back in 1989 for roughly 150 million dollars, and that is not chump change. But now the Cowboys are worth north of nine billion. Solid yeah. investment. It is. And and I don't know if you've you've digested the Jerry Jones story at all, but it's great. And I think, you know, the reason I brought this to fruition is on Twitter the other day is Fox did a really great piece on this and, and kind of talked about the Jimmy Johnson relationship and all that. Um, you know, this guy is the reason Fox has football and football is on five markets right now and streaming and all this stuff. He he is one of the reasons that it is a one of the most watched things in the history of the world, right? And that could be the worst NFL game versus last night's Kansas City Philadelphia blockbuster. So um, what he has done, and he's a pain in the ass, and, and there's a lot of people that have you know have rubbed you know the wrong way by this guy, but. The Dallas Cowboys are an insufferable news outlet, right? We cannot get away from them. And by the way, Dak Prescott needs a new contract next March. So get ready. Uh, It's all coming back into our homes. But this guy is really the reason. And it's not an accident that he is going to make over $8 billion at some point in time off of this franchise. A Cowboys high note. No better way to end our pseudo Thanksgiving episode of the Spot Track podcast. If you like the content you hear on this channel, follow, rate, review, subscribe. It goes a long way. We greatly appreciate it. SpotTrack.com for all of the latest in the contract and transactional world. New running back article available as well. Till next time, happy Thanksgiving to Mike Janetti and to all of you.